0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelic TIS Podcast with your host, George Shirley, Jai Shields, here to recap possibly the greatest divisional weekend of NFL playoff football that you're ever going to see. Jam-packed show, four games to recap, all four of them were fantastic and exciting, thrilling, intriguing crazy jaw-dropping spectacular football games from my Bengals advancing to the first AFC championship game since 1988 the first time in my lifetime my Cincinnati Bengals are part of the NFL Final Four and are playing and are one of the two best teams in the American Football Conference that will play the, the afc championship and and to advance to super bowl 56 on sunday it is I, I cannot believe those words are even coming out of my mouth they win their first ever road playoff game in the history of the franchise beating the titans on saturday we'll get into that of course obviously we will get into uh the uh the Bucks 27-3 comeback falling short. We'll get into that. And the Rams advancing to their uh first AFC champion or excuse me NFC championship game since 2018 and uh, of course you I got a lot to say about the Green Bay Packers and of course you know how could you not lead here I mean you could you could lead with either game you know it, it's 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 take your pick any game you know you could you could lead with any game and dissect it play by play moment by moment uh player by play. I mean you cuz that's just how unbelievable and crazy and just absolutely spectacular uh the two days of football that we were blessed to watching were I mean it, it was just absolutely sensational the games that we uh, that we were blessed with watching on Saturday and Sunday but game number 1 is the one I will lead with is the last one of divisional uh of divisional uh weekend and the last game, uh, the last game of divisional weekend, and the most recent game in the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that game was just I, I mean, that that game was all you could want in an NFL playoff game. To be quite honest, I mean, seriously, that game was all that you. Now it's not. Now I've heard a lot of people say it's the greatest football. It's the greatest NFL game, greatest NFL playoff game they've ever seen. I disagree. I uh, I will be on record, and I will, st- and if I'm alone, still standing on this mountain, then so be it. And I'm not saying it just uh, to take the contrarian point of view. I genuinely believe this, and I genuinely think that because, because still seeing it that day, February first, two thousand and fifteen, all the way up till uh, January twenty third, January twenty fourth. 2000 or excuse me january 24th january 25th uh 2022 in my eyes in my lifetime still the greatest nfl game and greatest uh nfl playoff game and greatest super bowl that i've ever seen in my lifetime seahawks uh patriots super bowl 49 patriots of course, won that game twenty eight twenty four with the Malcolm Butler interception at the end. I, in order for it to be on on the level of of it being the greatest game, uh, one of the greatest games ever played, is that you got to give me some defense. I mean, there were no there were no turnovers in the game. Four combined sacks between the two uh, between the two uh, defense between the two defenses. Mahomes got sacked twice. Allen got sacked twice. No interceptions. No fumbles. I mean, you could count on you can count on your hand how many times uh how many times uh, uh the Bills and and, and uh, Kansas City had to punt. Uh, you know, the, the Buffalo was six of fourteen on third down. So what you do the math that's uh, what they had to punt eight times, which isn't which, you know, which is OK-ish. Uh, and Kansas City, you know, really had to punt, you know, they went and really had to face a, uh, a fourth down. They went eight of 13 on a third down in the game. I mean, if you go and you look at the play sheet, there were one, two. Now, granted, first quarter, you had three straight offensive drives going punts. Buffalo punted, Kansas City punted, then Buffalo punted again. You know, so you had a couple of moments where drives stalled. you went three straight possessions on both sides, ending in a punt. Buffalo punted to begin uh, Buffalo punted on their open on their first uh, second half possession uh, to begin the third quarter, and then you went and then they went back to back, punt, punt middle of the uh, or excuse me, late third quarter, Kansas City punted and then Buffalo punted thereafter, and then the scoring just took off from there. but uh, you like to see a little defense. Turnover here and there, a you know turnover here and there, fumble, interception, a defensive touchdown, uh, I, and again, I, I like offense as much as the next guy, but I can't call it the greatest game I've ever seen when the, you know when there was little to no defense played in the game. I'm sorry, I mean it's just just it's just you got you gotta you gotta have a little bit of defense. It can't be all offense no defense and caught the greatest no greatest offensive performance or greatest uh game played if you love offense yes but if you like well-rounded uh football like you like ironically enough you got in uh, the two games on Saturday where no team uh where neither of the four teams participating on Saturday uh broke the 20 point threshold but you know you you like it balanced a little bit you like it bounce. and the Bills-Chiefs game did not get, did not give you that, but it's, but it still was an epic, epic NFL game an epic NFL playoff game, all things of being considered. Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, they put on an absolute show, show for the ages. I mean, the league is in phenomenal hands. You know, whatever Brady and uh, and Rogers side do within the next. Seven months or so, or or you know, come twenty twenty five to come twenty twenty three, twenty twenty five, whatever, whenever they decide within sometime within the near future in this decade to hang it up, the National Football League is going to be in brilliant hands. I mean, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, my my guy Joe Burrow, of course, Lamar Jackson is one in, who's won an MVP. And Justin Herbert, if he can get Brandon Stanley to not go for it on four, on every single fourth down he comes across, and learns his lesson when he took that asinine timeout uh, in Week 18, when uh, when the Raiders essentially were going to sit on it and play for the time, I mean you're going to have think about it. Mahomes and Herbert within the same division. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow playing in the same division, and then you have Josh Allen, Josh Allen with Buffalo, and within a couple of years' time, Zach Wilson and Mac Jones should be pretty good. And you and you add and add on to that as far as the the uh, smorgasbord of phenomenal uh, quarterback talent within the AFC. I mean, it's just absolutely. Absolute, and then of course Trevor Lawrence with uh, with the Jaguars. Once the Jaguars find themselves a, a head coach and get the head on straight and uh, start competing uh, and winning football games on a consistent basis, but the AFC is in a phenomenal shape. as just as far as the 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 state of the quarterback. I mean, I mean, if you got a quarterback, you're going to win. And and for the immediate future, meaning twenty twenty, meaning this year. Uh, of course, not counting Buffalo because they got eliminated. But in if, if counting 2022, 2023, 2024, for the next three seasons, yet the teams in the AFC that have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl, they all got stellar quarterbacks. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Chargers. Yeah. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Chargers. Those are your four. If next season in twenty twenty, uh, unless Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, and then he and he'd be an idiot to go to the AFC because the AFC. The AFC- is the most balanced and competitive and hardest conference to win just to get to the Super Bowl. And if he can't make it out of the NFC, you know, outside of going up against Brady and Russell Wilson, if he can't make it out of the NFC going up against talent of, of the likes of, you know, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton past this prime, Drew Brees is coming gone, Matt Ryan, uh, Dak Prescott, uh Daniel Jones, I mean, you name it. If he can't make it out of the garbage that is the quarterback play, again, outside of Brady in the NF- in the NFC, and Matthew Stafford, who now all of a sudden I gotta shut up about, he then and Russell Wilson, you know, who is is a you know, could end up being a Hall of Fame player, but he certainly has not played like it the last couple of seasons. If he can't make it out of that, you might as well either see if you want to give it one more go with the Packers a couple of more seasons or hang it up pal because uh the teams that would the teams that would best suit you to go to is in the AFC and AFC is just as cluttered Crowded and competitive as it's ever been. I mean, it just goes to show you all it takes is for Brady to leave and a couple of quarterbacks to fall into some of these uh, long-suffering franchises' is laps. And look what happens. Chiefs don't want a championship for 50 years. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. The, the, the uh, Buffalo Bills haven't been relevant since the 90s. Josh Allen out of Wyoming falls into their lap. Uh, my Cincinnati Bengals worst team in the sport back in 2019. Here comes Joe Burrow and their one went away from going to the Super Bowl and winning the AFC championship. Every single, what can go wrong will go wrong with the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, and they get the steal of all can be in the 2020 draft and drafting Justin Herbert out of, uh, out of the university or out of the university of uh, Oregon. So, it just goes to show. <laughs> I mean, you you gotta love the National Football League. But anyway, getting off the beaten path, Josh Allen, and you could do a whole show on that j- just in and of itself, of like the great uh, state of the AFC and the and the sheer dominance of uh, quarterback play. And here I am, and here I am thinking all season long that the Super Bowl champion was going to be the winner of the NFC Championship. Now it's still very Mike. Now still now it may still. Uh, end up being that way, but at this rate, I think whoever wins the AFC Championship between Kansas City and the Bengals ends up winning the Super Bowl, in my honest, humble opinion. No disrespect against the 49ers. They've done a fantastic job. Uh, but you know, J- do I trust Jimmy Garoppolo now? Granted, he's got a hell of a winning percentage and he knows what and he and he's tired. Ty- he knows what to do. He like, he plays within his means. but with a game on the line, like you saw two years ago, a championship on the line, would you, and I understand it's safe for the second conversation, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Lord willing, end up making a super bowl. You know, it, you know, you'd wonder if they, if they'd be tight 49ers only two years removed from playing in the game. But with the game on the line, do you trust Burrow or do you trust Jimmy G? Or do, or, or do, 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 you, do you trust Jimmy G or Patrick Mahomes? So I think, in my honest opinion, the winner of this this AFC championship game is winning the Super Bowl. Now, again, and all season long, I was sitting here saying, you know, the AFC, all the teams in the AFC are basically a, a, a crash course, a demolition course. The teams are beating each other up, can't get out of their own way, and meanwhile, Tampa and Green Bay, and for the, and the Rams, to a certain degree, for a good portion of the season, were just on flat out cruise control. Now it looks like that the fact that the AFC had to had to beat each other up throughout the entire regular season may ended up uh, going to the competing teams in AFC to their benefit. Kansas City had to scratch and then fight and claw tooth and nail to get themselves in a position to host another AFC championship game. You know the Titans had to, had to fight without Derek Henry to get the number one seed and. Via tiebreaker, best record in the AFC. The Bengals had to fight the, to win the AFC North and had to fight to get themselves a Championship Sunday. The Bills' season looked bleak until the second half of their game against the Bucks, and then they turned their season around. I mean, you just go up and go just up and down the. You know, the Raiders I thought were left for dead when the Bengals beat them the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and lo and behold, you know they they uh, they get they get fortunate a couple of cut clutch plays from. Uh, from from uh, Derek Carr and company, and they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and all of a sudden the Raiders ended up making. So I mean, it's like so all of the all season long, I thought the fact that the AFC essentially was trying to it was uh, killing each other from September to early January. I thought, well, by the time they get into the postseason play, you know, they're going to be winded and, and tired and emotionally drained from a long, grueling season. Meanwhile, the NFC is just getting started. If anything, it worked the other way, because all, the te- because all of the teams, at least in the AFC, that you thought were going to be sh- serious contenders, they were battle-tested. As you saw this weekend in Lambeau and with Tampa, the Bucks and the Packers were not. Now, that'd be a perfect way to wrap up the opening monologue, but I'm not done yet. So here I shall continue uh, with uh, Allen and Mahomes. They put on an absolute show. Mahomes, 33 of 44, 378 passing yards, three touchdowns in the game. A QBR, if you're into that stat, the Skip Bayless's of the World was at a 96. Josh Allen, 27 of 37, 329 passing yards, four touchdowns in the game. Like I said, no interceptions on both sides. And Josh Allen, I mean, gut-wrenching. At, so, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you are going to be sick until you until, until you win the AFC Championship and or and or you beat the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in a playoff game. Whichever one whichever one comes first, you will be you will be absolutely sick, sick, sick to your stomach until then. I mean, you can I mean, you. I mean, Josh Allen. He, he could. He couldn't have played any better. I mean, in the last two. In the last two games. In the last two games, he had a seventy-seven percent completion percentage, through for six hundred and thirty-seven passing yards and nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, an average ten yards of completion. Think about that for a minute. How does 77, here's the the real eye-popping stats you get from this. 77% completion percentage, averaging 10, 10 yards uh, a, a pass play, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Played damn near perfect in two games, yet he's not playing on Championship Sunday. Absolutely remarkable. I mean, you you, 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 you can't kill him. You it, it, you you can you cannot kill Josh Allen or the Bills' offense in this game. You can't. They outside of a couple of drives early in the game where they were very spotty, and a, and a moment or two where their offense kind of stalled out in the third quarter. Outside outside, and which resulted in punts, not turnovers, punts. No no fumble, no bonehead ass nine interception, no bad throw by Allen, none of that, resulting in punts. Buffalo Bills played damn near perfect in this game and and played damn near perfect as, as an offensive unit in two games. They started out slow, started out of the gate slow to begin the game, I grant you. But in the two games against the Chiefs on Sunday night and against uh, the Patriots the Saturday night, the week before, Buffalo the Buffalo Bills offense was damn near immaculate. Josh Allen, damn near immaculate. You you cannot analyze this game properly and rip and or knock the Buffalo Bills offense. You can't. Did they blow you out the water running the football? No. But twenty four carries a buckle nine on the ground and a th- getting a touchdown out of it, and you know ain't anything to sneeze at. Granted, is it is it a, a positive thing where your running back you know only rushes for twenty six yards on the ground off ten carries and Josh Allen's your leading rusher? No. And again, i s I've set it up for about a month and a half, two months now. That's something that the Bills have to address in the offseason, and that's getting themselves a a a uh, a, uh, a fearing lo- a fearing running back, whether it be via trade, uh, in, through the draft, whatever, they gotta get themselves a running back and build that running game. But outside of that, you can't you can't kill the Bills offense. You can't. You can certainly kill their defense, you know, run around all over the place, uh, getting dusted left and right by Tyree Kill, uh, you know, which was just absolutely mind-boggling just how great he is. I mean, holy crap. Uh, 11 receptions, 150 receiving yards, uh, had that 64-yard catch and run with under a minute to go to give Kansas City the lead. I mean, holy crap. I mean, Tyree Kill is just the freaking animal. I mean I mean it, you, I mean that, it was just unbelievable. I mean, he he just catches he just catches the football, takes off. It's just, it's it's just a foot race, and you know what it is, you know, and you, and you know what it is. Uh, it's and my uh, and my and my sister and my brother watching the game with me Saturday they made an excellent point. It's like watching Tyree kill run. It's just like it's like watching a, it's like a, it's like changing, it's like they shift into another gear like a sports car. Seeing Tyree Hill, Lamar Jackson, and Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase deserves to be in the conversation too. When they, when they, when the ball is in their hands now, Lamar Jackson he he starts out to play with the ball in his hands, but with Hill and with Chase, and I think the AFC Championship game is going to come down to who who has the more explosive performance: Tyree Hill or Jamar Chase on Sunday. But when they, when the but when they catch the ball, it's. It's, just, it's like a switch that turns on. They shift into that second gear. They just take off. Like sports cars just just boom. Like how Tyreek Hill scored on that 64-yard touchdown gave me the same feeling when the Bengals played Kansas City the first time. Back on the second of the new year, on that second and seven, Jamar Chase caught the ball in a little out route, know, made, a, made a defender miss, and then all of a sudden was like, holy crap, he is off to the races, and ain't nobody going to catch him. I mean, just Tyree Hill is just another breed of spectacular and, and, and electric and sensational. What else can you say about him? On, to, on top of the fact, let's give him his flowers. Travis Kelsey also eight receptions, 96 yards, cut the game-winning touchdown pass, and was a key, vital, vital piece of uh, of their, of Kansas City's game-winning drive in the overtime and their game-tying drive in regulation. And speaking of which, you know, if you're Leslie Frazier and your Buffalo Bills defense, you know, how how can you explain on God's green earth that you allow Travis Kelsey to to just absolutely destroy you and get and get that freaking wide open with 13? seconds left in, in regulation I mean seriously 13 seconds left and 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 the Buffalo Bills defense has guarding the sidelines when it when it's 13 seconds and they have all three timeouts really guys really Travis Kelsey though, was another one another freaking nature that is just absolutely sensational with the football in his hands and by the way let's give Gabriel Davis his flowers I mean, he put. I mean, I, I, am telling you. I mean, if the if if it was, if it was, uh, you know, if if it was a Super Bowl like setting, a championships type setting where you, where you give out the MVP after the game, if the Buffalo Bills would have won that football game, it could have been a coin flip between who you give the uh, the MVP of the game on the Buffalo side to Josh Allen or Gabriel Davis. Eight receptions, targeted ten times, caught eight passes. 201 receiving yards and four touchdown catches in the game. He is the only player in NFL playoff, not just, not listen, NFL playoff history, the only player. Jerry Rice doesn't have that to his name. Rob Gronkowski does not have that to his name. Terrell Owens does not have that to his name. Randy Moss does not have that to his name. One player, one, in the history of the National Football League can say that they caught four touchdown passes in a single playoff game. Gabriel Davis put on a performance like Mahomes, like Hill, like Kelsey, like Allen for the ages. For the Ages. For the ages, was absolutely sensational. Patrick Mahomes, twenty-five career passing touchdowns in the playoffs. That's the most by any quarterback through the through through his first ten career playoff starts. Uh, he eclipsed Drew Brees, who previously had the record of twenty-three. Kurt Warner, twenty-three. Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino with twenty-two. Um, let me give you another stat cuz these stats are just just absolutely ridiculous. Um, here's one right here loading it up here on the good old iPad. Um the first, it was Sunday. Also, the Bill Chiefs game, first playoff game with the opposing quarter, where the opposing quarterbacks each threw for three hundred plus passing yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. First playoff game where opposing teams completed seventy percent of their passes with attempting at least thirty five passing attempts each, and both quarterbacks led their team in rushing. Second such playoff game since nineteen fifty. Sensational, absolutely sensational. 25 points scored in the last two minutes of regulation between Bills and Kansas City, most in NFL playoff history. The previous high was 17 by the Jets and the Patriots when they traded blows in that 2010 playoff upset. Gabriel Davis, first player with three receiving touchdowns in a postseason game since Travis Kelsey, did it in a 2019 divisional playoff game against uh, the Houston Texans, and he's the second Bills player to do it, joining. Andre Reed in a 92 wildcard game. Of course, that was Frank Reich, the head coach in the Annapolis Colts' uh, patented 32-point comeback against the then-Houston uh, Oilers. So well, I have another stat for you right quick before we take a break. Um, yeah, and Buffalo... I got I got two more points here. Buffalo, why in the world they didn't they either if they wanted to do the traditional kickoff, why didn't they let the ball go to the you know to the five ten? 15 yard line and like and make it like a sky kick so the ball is up in the air so you you so you kick it so the ball is in the air longer it doesn't go as far but is in the air longer to allow your kick coverage team to race down the field to make sure that the uh, Chiefs return guy uh, essentially has zero room to work with so he catches the ball and all of a sudden he's engaged in a tackling attempt or why not squib kick it why do you kick it through the end zone to allow Mahomes to have the ball at the 25 yard line, only needing a field goal, 13 seconds left, and three timeouts? You got to kick it short. Their decision not to kick it short and Leslie Frazier's idea to guard the sidelines, leaving the middle of the field wide open, will be the reason why Buffalo Bills fans, through those two, are the reasons. Those two. Not, a, not squib kicking it. And playing, you know, pre-vet defense going the sideline, those will be the two reasons why, A, the Bills aren't, aren't uh, in the AFC Championship game and in turn aren't in the Super Bowl. And two, the reason why, if, why you Buffalonians up in, uh, in cold western New York will have a very long, long, tedious winter, spring, and summer. and the last and another thing too you know Tyron Matthew is the glue of the Kansas City Chiefs defense I mean, if you, if you think not just if you think not just watch just watch that game once Matthew went out I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I heard about this, quote-unquote, elite Chiefs defense and the Cows come home. You know, not counting the Steeler game because that game's an anomaly because, you know, we all know the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is a disgrace to humanity. But go back to the last three games they played against, since that, that, you know, that you actually look at and the Steeler game does not count, the Bengals game, the Bronco game, and Sunday... Kansas City Chiefs defense. I mean, <laughs> let's let's call let's call it like we can see it, please. This isn't exactly a uh, a uh, you know the eighty five Bears, two thousand Ravens, eighty six Giants. Let's 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 call it like we see it. Tyron Matthew is the not only not only is he the best player on their defense, he is the glue for their defense. He's out. The, he's out. You you bet. You might as well just tell Mahomes to. To you know, to drop forty plus because that's the only way you're winning the game. You ba- you basically turn the clock back to tw- to the 2018 Chiefs where you just tell Mahomes, just outscore the other team, and if we get a and if we're fortunate or lucky enough to get a stop, you know we'll live with it. Now watch me say that, and the and the Bengals get their asses kicked and and and, and get held to ten thirteen points. Lord willing, hopefully that doesn't happen knock on wood. But, you know, but let's let's, let's call E and, and even I. I'm like, I'm I, and even I I said to myself when I found, you know, when the game was over, Bengals going to go play Kansas. City, said to myself, "Look, you know, I if the Bengals lose this game, if the Bengals lose this game, what it is, what it is. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I said to myself, I said the Bengals are not the Bengals are not losing this game in a uh in a uh, in a blowout. They're not. Even if Kansas City, even if Kansas City wins by wins by double digits, the lowest the lowest amount of points the Bengals are scoring in, in this game is is twenty is 28. 27, 28 points. It's more of a matter of it's more of a matter of and again we I got all Friday to break down again, but I, I'm like, Mahomes is is uh, is running this machine. If I had every because if I had a nickel for every single Kansas City Chiefs fan, I saw calling for Steve Spagnuolo's job as as late as when Gabriel Davis caught the what we all thought outside of you, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan and even the Kansas City Chiefs fans that were crushing Spagnuolo thought the game was over, to be fair. But unless you were one of those that were like, "Oh, Mahomes got home which got you which there was very few of you. Be honest with yourself. You, you you were saying to yourself. I mean, my goodness gracious. Steve back his defense strikes again, leaving Gabriel Davis wide the hell open in the back of the end zone to catch the game, what well, we thought at least was the go, was the game-winning touchdown catch. And the last point to close this monologue, then I'll uh, get to Green Bay, who I got plenty to say about. You know, I, I don't want to hear any, you know, anything about well the overtime rules stink. It's unfair. We didn't get to see Josh Allen throw the ball. The Bills didn't have a chance to respond. Blah blah blah. I don't want to hear any of that. Okay. Bottom line is, you, you get a stop. I understand the game is offensive driven. It's an offensive dominant dominant league. Get it. Get a stop. All right, please, please they 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 what they we we had a uh, we we had one game. We always at least I, I swear to god, we always every single every single NFL season at least have one game that ends on a tie. You know how the game ends on a tie because the defense makes a stop on a team that it gets the opening possession. All right? Please. Get a stop. The the defensive players getting paid, you know, are getting at the, they're getting. They may not make more money than some of the players in the offense, but they're getting paid like the same rate. They're getting paid millions. Okay, they they're getting paid too. They're paid professionals too. They're on the team too. They have a roster spot too. You know, right? Buffalo Bills defense did this, that, and the other against New England Patriots. Why can't they make a stop? One stop on the opening drive after they let Kansas City march down the field in the overtime. They they can't make one stop. When one like Kansas City went down the field and, and scored a touchdown on every possession. Then they'd have like fifty sixty points on the board. They 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 did hold. If you go back and you look at it, they did hold uh, Kansas City to how many punts? How many? They did hold can they did hold Kansas City to one, two. Okay, they held. They held Kansas City two punts in the. They held Kansas City two punts in the game, and they had to kick for. And they had to kick a field goal one, two, three times, four times. Sad. So they, had to, so they, they like, come on. Kansas City had to had to kick. Now they didn't make because Butker missed one of them. But they had to line up and kick four field goals, and they had to punt twice. Six possessions. Kansas City did not put the ball in the end zone. Let's be fair. Six possessions. They didn't put the ball in the end zone, and the Buffalo Bills. You know, and again, I was part of it, praising them, pumping up their chest for the job they did against the Patriots the week before. You can't get one stop. At least keep them out of the end zone, forcing them to kick a field goal. Really, is that too much to ask? These guys. This is this. This is the National Football League, after all. For crying out loud, you can't. You can't make one stop. Force Mahomes one three and out, create one turnover, keep them at least out of the end zone. If they got to, if it's a fourth and goal and they got to kick a field goal from their own, you know, uh, uh, you know, ten yard line, so be it. You can't get one stop. I don't want to hear people kicking the screen about the overtime rules. Don't like it, tough. Get, t- tell the Buffalo defense to get the hell off the field and get a stop. All right, it's that simple. You don't like the fact that Josh Allen did, didn't get a chance to touch the ball in the overtime. You know what? Like my uh, like my uh, ninth grade physics teacher used to tell me and my classmates all the time, life's a bitch and then you die. All right? Tough. It's a tough life. You know, get, get off the field, force a three and out, force a turnover, and then Josh Allen will get his opportunity. Force Harrison Butker to line up and kick another field goal. It's that simple. They're paid professionals as well. Stop them. Okay? I understand Mahomes and that offense is absolutely electric. One like they scored on every possession. Every offensive possession. They put the ball in the end zone. They lined up to kick a field goal four times and they punted twice. Six possessions and didn't put the ball in the end zone. Is it asking too much for a seventh? Come on. Please. And another stat though, will back me up on this: 35 out of the 163 overtime games, regular season and playoffs, under the current overtime rules that were decided by touchdowns on first possession of overtime. That's 21.5 percent of overtime games were decided on the on the opening possession. Really? That 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 that's that's less than 25 percent. You may not like it when it happens, but let's be frank. It ain't like it happens all the time. And, you know, these and the same people that are also screaming and kicking and yelling about the, uh, about the, about the overtime rule, about, you know, you get the opening possession, you march down the field and score, that's the end of the game. Same people that are kicking and screaming, kicking and screaming about how unfair the rule is were the same people that were going gaga and doing handstands 10 years ago when, uh, when Tim Tebow to uh, Demarius Thomas, God rest his soul, for 80 yards on the, on the opening drive of uh, overtime in the 2011 wildcard game between the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers when everybody was Tebow mania this Tebow mania that don't think i don't think i didn't forget i might have been 9 years old but i was paying attention wasn't a soul in America that wasn't doing that wasn't doing hand unless you a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. There wasn't a soul in America that wasn't doing handstands and doing cartwheels all over the place, losing their f loving mind when the Denver Broncos won the overtime coin toss and got the ball at their own twenty twenty five yard line to begin the overtime period. In one play on a, on a little uh, drag route, a little Drance, uh, slant route across the middle of the field, uh, Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas for eighty yards down field one play game over so the same people that were kicking and screaming about uh about you know when Brady did it to Mahomes his his uh his first year on the scene in 2018 in that championship game when Kansas City couldn't get off the field and the same people that were kicking and screaming you know last night or I guarantee you the same people that were just overjoyed with enthusiasm and euphoria when Tim, T- when all it took was one play Tebow to DT to knock the, the, uh, the, at that point in time, the defending AFC champions out of the playoffs in the opening round. So please. And again, it ain't like it happens all the time. Less than 25%. Don't like it. Play defense. It's that simple. Bill Chief's contest first playoff game in NFL history with three go-ahead touchdown scored in the final two minutes of regulation. Uh, is there any other stat? No, I think I covered it. Okay, that's where we begin. The Amatella Cantieri podcast rolls on. Talk about the Packers back after this. Welcome back to the I tell like you podcast one last thing that I forgot to mention in the monologue before I get to Aaron Rodgers I got a lot to say about him in a minute you know if I got if I, if Jay Philly one more time I'm telling what when, when I heard that Jay Philly uh, why you know he's a part of the uh, the broadcasting group for CBS. Uh, Like we need kicker analysis, you know. I mean, really. I mean, do we do we need? We got Sterator for the. We got Sterator for the rules. Um, we got for the rules expert, the rules analyst. We got Wolfson on the sideline. We got Romo in the booth, who who doesn't let the game breathe, who just constant yammering in the broadcast booth. I tweeted out during uh, during the Chiefs Bengals game. He did. I'll say it again. He's the Michael Scott of sports casting. He sometimes he a lot of times ninety five percent of the time he opens up his mouth and has no idea what the hell's coming out of it, and just hope he finds whatever he's trying to say or whatever point he's trying to get across along the way like it's an improv conversation. I mean, it's just, I mean, he never shuts up and it's like, it's ridiculous. I mean the uh, Jay Feely. Okay, if you want to have a "quote unquote" kicking analyst, as if we need one, give him a job. All right, whatever. Uh, but you know, and it's been it's going to be betting. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous next week because because they're going to bring a uh, Washburn, who's the number who's the uh, sideline reporter for the number two guys with uh, Iron Eagle and Charles Davis throughout the regulars throughout the uh, regular season, and he was in Buffalo Wild Card weekend, Tennessee during the Bengals game. On Saturday, and now they're going to bring him along for the ride. Uh, for uh, because this is because this is CBS's uh, final NFL broadcast of the season until uh, in whatever uh, preseason game they get in late August, seven months from now. But it, so they have, so they're going to have, uh, so they're going to have Washburn and Tracy on the sidelines as the sideline reporters with Jay Feely, you know, providing extra commentary. Uh, You know, provide an extra commentary for the field goal kicking. And then here comes Gene Steratore, you know, to break down a uh, controversial penalty or a challenge. And, of course, Romo, who just doesn't let the game breathe, doesn't shut up. uh, Leaving poor Jim Nance to essentially have to follow whatever uh, hamster wheel uh, Romo is taking him through, through his ridiculous, complicated uh, maze of a mouth that he has. Um, but I, I, I swear, I swear to you, I don't know what's going to piss me off more. Uh, Romo uh, just losing his mind at every single thing Patrick Mahomes does on Sunday or Jay Feely having the nerve, the, the audacity, the temerity, the unmitigated gall and the chutzpah to compare uh, Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker to the one and only, the GOAT, uh, Justin Tucker. I mean really Jay, I mean seriously. I mean he he comp- he co- I mean, you would have thought that Harrison Butker was uh you know had had the accuracy and had the consistency of Justin Tucker and kicked the Chiefs to to three Super Bowl championships. I mean name one game where name one game and name one signature moment that Harrison Butker has that even warrants him to be in the same conversation. As uh, Justin Tucker, there's only one kicker that you can even make the argument in the history of National Football League that is in the same conversation of Justin Tucker and is probably better historically at this at this point in time is that of Vinatieri. He kicked two game-winning, uh, two Super Bowl championship-winning uh, field goals and, ki- and kicked probably one of the most difficult. Ant clutch field goal of all time in the in that Tuck rule game in the, in that blizzard at old Foxborough Stadium the last game ever played in that in that building on that snowy January night twenty years ago I mean they, that's it. It's Adam Vinatieri and Justin Tucker. They are in a league and in a class of their own. And for Jay Bailey to spend five to spend five minutes waxing poetic about Harrison Butker and saying, "Well, he's the, he's the he's the uh, he's the only kicker in the National Football League that's about a grade below," or he's the he's the next kicker in line. In the in the National Football League, that's in a similar stratosphere, right behind Justin Tucker. I mean, I swear to God, if I hear that one more time, I'm gonna find Jay Philly. I'm gonna take a newspaper and I'm gonna bash him upside the head, knock him upside the head with it, you know, and 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 slap him upside the face. I mean, really, Jay? Seriously, Justin Tucker? What happens? Jay Philly says that. Harrison Butker uh, kick, kicks a ball, you know, and, and misses a field goal. I mean, really? 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 Don't ever, ever compare Harrison Butker or anybody to Justin Tucker, okay? Don't do it. Do not do it. Don't do it. I was blown away when he said that <laughs> on on Sunday night. Blown away. Yeah, comparison. Harrison Butker to Justin Tucker. Really? Really? In in, ca- in case Jay Philly forgets go 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 pull up on YouTube. Justin Tucker's 66-yard field goal against the Lions. And after that, pull up the 62-yarder he hit against the Lions in that same building on Monday Night Football that was just as difficult a kick. Pull up that one, and then when you, and then after that, why don't you pull up the game-winning field goal he kicked when it was like five degrees below zero in the Arctic Cold uh, in Denver, Colorado, where he knocked off Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos in double overtime nine years ago. And if you're not done that, go on a loop and just watch the 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 amount of consecutive kicks Justin Tucker, you know, the the streak that he had, where he where he where he didn't miss a kick, extra point or field goal. I mean that that I mean really, that blasphemy, Justin Tucker, Harrison Butker, Justin Tucker, seriously. Justin Tucker's in a league of his own. League of his own. Okay. The the, the 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 thing about this for a minute: the Baltimore Ravens have Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews on the team, and Patrick Queen on defense. Class Campbell, um, you know Marlon Humphrey, Marcus. Pe- I mean, they, they got they got some All Pros on that team. And Justin Tucker, you can make the argument, belongs on that. If you were to make one top five, top ten list of best players on the on the Ravens roster, he Justin Tucker is just as much as as an offensive threat to the Ravens as Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews is. And I'm being dead serious when I say that too. Don't compare Butker to Justin Tucker. Please. Don't do it. And another another thing that that I'm sick of hearing about and I'm done with, uh, no more comparisons either, uh, is Aaron Rodgers with the all-time greats in The Immortals. Uh, Never again. All right, please. After all the noise, okay, all the noise that Aaron Rodgers made essentially from... Draft night back in April. Now, he says he didn't come right out and say it on draft night. It was Shefty, you know, being slick about it and leaking that information on draft night, whatever it is. And regardless, the noise he made from April of 2021 to all throughout the spring, all throughout the summer, the cryptic notion was going to show up the training camp or not with the Packers, his frosty relationship with Gunakist and the higher ups with Green Bay, the cryptic message, the cryptic sheet t- uh, T-shirt he wore on Kenny Main's final uh, episode of Sports Center, to the season starts, the debacle at Jacksonville, getting his doors blown off by the Saints, the COVID. Nonsensical foolishness with with on Pat McAfee's show back in early November, uh, missing a game with uh, due to a positive COVID test. Him him talking out of his ass when it comes to COVID protocols and and vaccines and vaccine mandates and Joe Rogan and ivermectin and all the gooberish, nonsensical garbage that he spewed out of his mouth back in early November to as recently where it brought, where the news broke in the weeks, in the days leading up to Saturday's game, where he was busting Joe Biden's balls about, about pandemic of the vaccinated, unvaccinated, vaccine, no vaccine, questioning the legitimacy of his presidency. I mean, just all the foolishness, the foolishness that Aaron Rodgers has been a part of and has partaken himself in since April of 2021. For him, in front of America, probably in front of about 50 million people watching that game on Fox, in a building where Lombardi coached Bart Starr and Brett Favre played, okay, along with many of the other all time greats, and here's the National Football League. And a stadium where those legends coached in and played, and and, and playing service they played on, wearing that uniform in the snowy, frozen, and it was frozen, freaking 12, 12 degrees felt like zero in a snowstorm, for him to play the way he did in front of America. And a playoff game on a Saturday night against an offense in the San Francisco 49ers that could barely move the ball downfield worth the crap is an absolute embarrassment and it's another disgrace. Okay, for all the noise, all the noise from the organization doesn't treat me right, I'm disrespected, I have no help around me, Brian Gunekis this... The, 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 the front office, that. I mean, it's not against the coaches, the the fans, the players. It's F the front office. It's it's this, that, and the other. It's I want out. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if I'm coming back or not. Open the signing with the Denver Broncos. It's with the COVID foolishness with Joe Rogan and McAfee and, 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 and cancel culture and just all the bullcrap. That he pulled and he just created from April of 2021 to as recently as last Thursday questioning the legitimacy of Biden's presidency. For him to go out there on the field at Lambeau on Saturday night and look like an utter scrub on the field in a playoff game is a damn embarrassment. And Aaron Rodgers should be absolutely ashamed of himself. Ashamed. 20 of 29, 225 passing yards, sacked five times, did not do a damn thing when his team needed him the most. And oh, by the way, he was having an MVP caliber season. And he goes out there and lays not just an egg, an egg big enough to feed the entire state of Wisconsin. For him to go out there and lay a big fat egg the way he did after all the ruckus and all the garbage and, the, and just to be quite honest and flat out with you, the distraction that he was all season long from OTAs to training camp to now is an absolute disgrace and an utter embarrassment. And he should be absolutely ashamed of himself. Ashamed. Ashamed. To talk about the front office, it's just all of that. How about Aaron Rodgers? I t- you never see Brady do this. okay. Never see Brady go out there, slam the front office. If he don't like the particular politics of America or, or does or doesn't, you know, has an issue with the COVID or with a you know you don't you don't hear him saying that saying that. You don't. Cause Brady knows it's 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 all ball. It's business. Okay? I'm not gonna go out there. And, and and speak my mind on everything underneath the sun and then go out there on, on the football field and play like an amateur let alone in a playoff game on at home no less with the number 1 seed in the national football conference you you don't, you don't see Brady do that you don't now he's up now it's a free country first amendment right to speak his mind freedom of speech but forgetting the constitutional legalistic bullcrap, it's besides the point. The point is, you handle your business first. You are a man of your business and you handle your business first. Okay? If you ain't handling your business, nobody else ev- nor cares, nor gives a crap, or wants to hear your opinions on things that aren't relative to your day job, people don't want to hear it. People do not want to hear it. When the Red Sox and the Dodgers had that 18-inning marathon game that lasted till 3:30 in the morning on the East Coast, when Max Muncie finally an- ended that ended that marathon with a with a walk-off solo solo home run. And and Donald Trump is, is back in the White House, tweeting up a storm about how Dave Roberts, uh, you know, couldn't manage his bullpen out of a paper bag if his life depended on it. Did did, did America lo- love the fact that the President of the United States, who had had, who at that point in time had a, uh, let's just say for the sake of conversation, a controversial first year and a half of his presidency that everybody want the president of the united states up at one two three o'clock in the morning tweeting about red sox dodgers in a world series or do they want him being a competent president or, and running the country okay handle your business handle your business first nobody cares what donald trump thinks about how dave roberts manages his bullpen go out there and run the country Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers. Nobody cares about what you think about COVID protocols, vaccines, mRNA vaccines, Joe Rogan, ivermectin, one ear and out the other, and whether or not you you and your deranged mind think uh, j- that uh, that that the election was quote unquote stolen from j- from Donald Trump and and the fact that Joe Biden isn't a legitimate pred- pre- uh, president. A a first off, who cares? B be more focused on beating the 49 on Saturday night, will you please? My goodness gracious! It's enough, please. The only thing I care about—the only thing I care about of what comes from, out of Aaron Rodgers' two lips. This is what this is what I care about. Hey, Aaron, can you please explain to me? This—this this is what I care about. I don't care about what he thinks about the president. I don't care what he thinks about COVID. I don't care about what he thinks about about vaccines and Joe Rogan and ivermectin and, and all and all the gooberish nonsense that he was talking out of his ass back in November on Pat McAfee on that 45-minute uh, soliloquy. Nobody cares. Here's what I do care about uh, Aaron Rodgers when it comes to him having uh, having two cents to say his piece on something. Hey, Aaron, can you please explain to me after your opening drive, we went 69 yards and a touchdown. Can you please explain to me, explain to me after that 69-yard touchdown drive on your first possession of the Game, can you please explain to me why you fumbled, punted three times, had a blocked field goal because your special teams is atrocious, and I'll get the mental floor in a minute. You had you punted again, you kicked a field goal, blocked punt resulting in a touchdown, punt, and then with the game on the line, you needing a first down to us, to essentially control control momentum in the game, three and out. You you couldn't get a first down. That is what I care about Aaron Rodgers when it comes to terms of his opinion. Then you got me interested. Ex- explain that to me. Because if I want to hear about COVID and vaccines and all that sort of stuff, I'll go to Dr. Anthony Fauci and I'll go to the Surgeon General and I'll go to, uh, and I'll go to other practicing uh, doctors around America. I'll go to, 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 to the best doctors in the nation. In my city, in Baltimore, Johns Hopkins, if I want to hear commentary and hear people's uh, edu- quote-unquote educated two cents, in Aaron Rodgers' case, two cents on, uh, on COVID, vaccines, and all that sort of stuff, and COVID myths and COVID truths and all that, I, I, I know where to go for that, Okay. I'm not going to Anthony Fauci to ex- to exp- to explain why in the hell you only scored one touchdown in a national in, a, in an NFC divisional playoff game at home with the one seed and a week off. I'm not going to Fauci or Joe Rogan for that. I'll go to Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I'm not interested what you think of, what you think about COVID or the world win football games. Okay, it comes with the territory. Because, again, you're allowed to give your opinion. You're allowed to give your opinion and speak your mind. But when you speak your mind, you better be, and you you become a distraction and a a headlines thief that you've been essentially since last spring. You better show up to work and produce and play well and win games and win a championship. After all the rutkiss and the drama that you have caused since April of 2021. You better go out there and bust your ass and win a a Super Bowl championship. And Rodgers did not do that. Instead, he gives you two cents about COVID, what he thinks about Joe Biden. Meanwhile, his offense couldn't move the ball worth a damn after his opening touchdown drive to begin the game against San Francisco. If I want COVID commentary, I'll, I'll go to Fauci, not you. All right, you're you're, you're you're a quarterback, not a doctor. You want to become a doctor? Quit the National Football League today. Go to medical school. Start your uh, you know start your uh, your uh, you know your start your start and, and, and start practicing your residency. That's what I was looking for. Start your residency then. You want to become a doctor? Please. Mr. wide open Alan Lazard over the middle. Never threw to Randall Cobb. All he did was sit up here and kick and scream and scream and yell, well, I must have Randall Cobb on the football on the football team. And they never threw him the goddamn ball. Then spread the wealth. Nothing. Keyed in on Aaron Jones running back and and Devontae Adams. Combined, he targeted them twenty one times. Lazard, Lewis, Randall Cobb, DeGara, Daphne, combined targets of one, two, three, four, six times. Unacceptable. And another thing about Rodgers, too, and I'll get on the floor in a minute. You know, I I do not want to hear a word, not another word, not a peep, not a murmur, not anything about Aaron Rodgers being an immortal or, or a quote-unquote all-time great quarterback. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, he's not an immortal. Okay, well, since 27 in, in, in the last four, five, six seasons, when you have the same amount of playoff wins as Blake freaking Bortles, you're not an immortal all-time quarterback. I'm sorry, you're not. Okay? You're not. When the list of quarterbacks that have played in Super Bowls more recently than you include Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. Enough with the immortal talk, and I'm and I'm leaving Brady, Wilson, Manning, and Mahomes out, who have all been to the Super Bowl, and at minimum. Tw- at minimum two times, because they're immortals in their own right, and are well. Russell Wilson not an immortal, but they're all. But within their category, they're go- they're going into uh, Canton. They're Hall of Famers. And I left them out on purpose because all of them—Brady, Wilson, Manning, and Mahomes—a they're going into the Hall of Fame, and at minimum, they've they've played in two Super Bowls. Jared Goff got traded for a bag of Cheetos to the Detroit Lions. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be replaced within a couple of seasons by Trey Lance. Nick Foles has bounced around from team to team, keeping the bench for Andy Dalton and, and Justin Fields warm. Matt Ryan stinks, hasn't been good since that 2016 season. Well, he, he was all right 2017, but you get the idea. Has, he hasn't been the same since the, since the year he won the MVP. Cam Newton got cut by the Panthers, went to the Patriots for the year, got cut by them, went back to the Panthers, and got benched in the middle of the season. Flacco's bounced around from team to team 9 million times, and Colin Kaepernick, people hell, people even forget he even played in a Super Bowl. All quarterbacks that have played in the Super Bowl more recently than Aaron Rodgers. It's enough. It's enough. Brady's record in the postseason, 35-11. and 11. Aaron Rodgers is 11-10. and 10. Brady has 14 playoff game-winning drives. Aaron Rodgers has two. Both have the same equal amount of playoff wins against NFC opponents, and this is only Brady's second season in the NFC. Aaron Rice has been a starter for the Green Bay Packers since 2008. It's enough. It's enough. Enough. Please. Enough Enough with the immortal talk. Please. He's not an all-time great. Again, we have the same amount of playoff wins as Blake freaking Bortles. You're not an immortal. Please. 0 4 against the 49ers in his playoff career. That's the most losses without a win by a starting quarterback against a single team since 1950. Enough with The Immortal. All-time, all time, Hall of Fame talent, Hall of Fame player, yes. Is he top five greatest player in the history of the sport? Not a chance in hell. He's not. Now, at the same breath, you know, I had my buddy Brennan text me after the game, you know, uh, being in agreement with me with my take on Rodgers. But but he also, you know, I I had to, you know, ask him a couple questions because he had the uh, chutzpah to text me. And, and and try to tell me and sell to me that Philip Rivers is better than Aaron Rodgers historically. I mean, my God, I, I wanted to jump out a window. I swear to God, as soon as I read that, i was like, Brendan, what, the, what are you nuts? And Philip Rivers over Aaron Rodgers. I understand Rodgers under the Chiefs, but and Philip, Philip Rivers. I mean, give me a break. He loves Philip Rivers. Me and him argue back and forth about Philip Rivers of the Cops, Come on, but I mean, but still. I mean, I understand what he was trying to say, but but to say Philip Rivers is better than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I understand Rodgers' chokes, and we are in agreement on that. But Brendan, 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 but don't don't put Philip Rivers in the same conversation as Aaron Rodgers, please, don't, don't don't do that. Don't do it. He 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 absolutely loves Philip Rivers, but it's uh, it's, it's it, come on. I love, and I love Brendan. Absolutely. Matt, we should have him on the show. We should have him on the show before the Super Bowl. I got to get on that. But, I mean, come on. F- Phillip Rivers better than Aaron Rodgers historically. I mean, I mean I th- Throw the stats aside. I'm talking about playoff performance, Super Bowl appearance. Come on, Brendan. You're better than that. You're better than that. And can Aaron Rodgers for once, and I get to the floor to close out this segment, can Aaron Rodgers for once in his life, one time, show any grit, any heart, any tenacity? Can he build a comeback? Anything. His team collapsed against the Seahawks in 2014 in a championship game. Laid lay, lay, lay down like a doormat. Laid down like a doormat and didn't even show up against the against the Falcons in the championship game two seasons later. Got embarrassed by his hometown team in San Francisco on the road at Levi Stadium two years ago in a championship game. Did nothing, nothing. Didn't cap didn't put the ball in the end zone not one time when Brady through three, not one, not two, three second half interceptions last season. Did nothing to bail his team out then. Didn't have the cojones to to tell LaFleur to piss off when he when he had an asinine decision to kick a field goal down eight points. Can he once in his life? Once. Nobody cares about what you had to say about COVID. Nobody cares about what you think about the president Nobody cares about about your friendship with Joe. No, cancel call. Nobody cares. One in and out the other. All right? Here's what I care about. Can you once in your damn career get off the deck, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, pick yourself up, Dust yourself off, get an attitude, show some grit, show some heart, show some fervor, show some uh, moral fiber, as Marv Levy used to say all the time. And can you once build up a comeback when your back is against the wall? You appear to be down on the count, down for the count, your opponents have you on the ropes. Can you for once get off the deck, show some grit? come back and win a playoff game can can he for once do that for me please look at brady down 27 to three, was getting knocked on his ass all afternoon. Von Miller in his face and his grill, screaming and yelling, and uh, Dominic screaming and yelling all over the place. Uh, Aaron Donald was up in his grill, uh, hitting Brady every every single everywhere you looked all the time, getting busted in the lip. He's screaming and yelling at the refs. His, his receivers can't catch anything. Running the wrong routes, miscommunication all over the place. Down 27 to three. Builds up a, a, a twenty four point comeback to tie the game up, uh, to tie the game up with less with less than fifty seconds to go in regulation. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't mope. He doesn't pout. He do, he doesn't give. The, he doesn't he doesn't incoherently wave the the perennial white flag. He doesn't quit. Doesn't do any of that. Picks himself up, dusts himself off, picks himself up by the bootstraps. Says, "Hey, guys, we're better than this. We're win- we're-, we're making this game. We're making this game competitive." Now, he didn't win it, and we'll get to that game in a minute. He didn't win it, but you know what? Tom Brady has a mentality where if he's going down, he ain't going down without a fight. Be damned if he's going if he's just going to sit back and allow himself to get in, to get embarrassed by an opponent, let alone in the playoffs. Go go back and look at the losses that that look at the postseason losses as as recently as yesterday. Super Bowl Fifty Two, he went down swinging. Super Bowl. 40, Forty Super Bowl Forty Six, he went down swinging. a game went, the game came down to a hail mary there at the end. Super Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl Forty Two, got knocked all over the place. Went down swinging without a fight. You name me one game, one, where Brady doesn't at least make an effort, doesn't go out there and show you he's going to go out there and try to win this game. Even when all the odds are against him, and and maybe even secretly, he doesn't even probably have the full confidence within himself that he's going to win the football game. And he still goes out there and gives it his all. Where's Aaron Rodgers with that? 28-3 in the Super Bowl, what did you see? Super Bowl against the Rams. Goes out there, plays like garbage for three quarters. Makes a couple of pass plays in the fourth quarter to to, to put the, to finally put the ball in the end zone. Finds Gronk, finds Julian Edelman, gives James White the football to uh, for to uh, pound the running game. You see it. And these uh, and these and I'm describing years where I loathed Tom Brady. I love him now, but I loathed Tom Brady. You saw grit. Championship game against against the Chiefs, you saw grit. Even his final game as as a as a Patriot against the Titans, you saw grit. He didn't give up. Even when the game was decided, he was he was throwing the football with inside his own five-yard line. Cause he because he had enough dignity and had enough pride and had and had enough fervor and passion not to go down and look like a chump. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers. It's new year, same results, and again, and I tweet. And lastly, and I tweeted this out, you know, when the, as soon as the game was over, all I heard about, ad infinitum, from Rodgers, from from Packer fans, from Packer apologists, all I heard about, all I heard about, especially throughout the month of December. Was how disres- "quote unquote" how disrespectful it was, and how blasphemous and egregious, and just how just out of pocket it was for Matt Lafleur not to get uh, respectable consideration for Coach of the Year, and he should be Coach of the Year, and don't hold Aaron Rodgers against him, blah 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 blah. You knew that your special teams was a hot pile of dog dung. And you did nothing all season long to fix it. Nothing. Nothing. Your special teams was atrocious in the Raven game. It was atrocious in the Bear game. Garbage. Absolutely putrid all season long. You do nothing to fix it. It's a block. He gets a field goal blocked, which kept the game tight heading into the half, which was a big time play by the 40, by the 49ers defensive special teams unit. And then he proceeds, you know, when he's backed up within his own 10-5-yard f- line he get a punt blocked, resulting in a touchdown that changed the tides of the game. The 49ers did not score an offensive touchdown against Aaron Frickin' Rodgers and still won the football game. In part because Aaron Rodgers. Is a, is a, is a, is a choke artist, and another part because Matt Lafleur is overrated, and to be quite honest with you, it's not that good. I could go thirty three and ten coaching Aaron Rodgers. I I understand it, you know, that that not everybody can call plays and can review film properly and design a game plan and everything else but, but when it comes to the actual not the off the field stuff and what happens you know in the meeting rooms you know monday th- monday through friday or monday through saturday i'm talking about sunday afternoon when it's Aaron Rodgers is on the field against an opponent, and he just goes out there and showcases his talent with, with Aaron Jones in the backfield and Devontae Adams to throw to. I could go 33-10 and 10 playing in that garbage, and I do mean garbage division. I could go 33-10 and 10 every single year. I could look like Vince Lombardi when I have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. And an all-pro wide receiver and Devontae Adams been to throw to. And a pro-pro running back, running back the Aaron Jones to, to balance up the offense a little bit. I could go 33-10. And, and all I heard about was Matt LaFleur this, Matt LaFleur that. How come he isn't getting more recognition for coach of the year? He's coach of the year. Matt LaFleur? Huh. Coach of the year, my ass. He got ambushed, ran out of the building in a championship game two seasons ago. Had Vince Lombardi spitting in his grave when he decided to kick a field goal down eight points late in the late in the fourth quarter, thinking that his defense with uh, with uh, Mike Pettine as defensive coordinator, who isn't exactly <clears throat> Buddy Ryan, when you know allowing Kevin King getting burned down the down the left sideline by Scooter Miller to close out the first half. Calling a cover zero calling a cover zero defense with crying out loud. And it goes out there and with the special teams which has been putrid all season long, ends up costing them their season, along with Aaron Rodgers' incompetence. I mean, really? Matt LaFleur, some big time great NFL head coach. And whenever Aaron Rodgers either decides to hang it up or leaves Green Bay, he's screwed. Because Jordan Love is absolutely atrocious. LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. Enough. Please. Aaron Rodgers ain't a patch on Tom Brady's ass. Stop comparing him to him. And Matt LaFleur is damn skippy ain't a patch on Vince Lombardi's ass. Because he is terrible. Terrible. Got ambushed twice by the same team in a, in a three-year period, and just was just asleep at the wheel against the Bucks in a championship game last season. It's enough of both of them, Lafleur and Rogers, back after this. A of baggage for a man that's making what 30 plus million dollars a year, and only one Super Bowl. That was 11 years ago. A lot of baggage with Aaron Rodgers for him to. He'll have you competitive. He'll win your regular season games. He'll win your divisions. He'll get your first round buys. Hell, he even get you quite a few home games. But damn, Skip, he ain't winning you a Super Bowl. At least he hasn't within the. Uh, Within the next decade, I'm on the ESPN app right now. They got a cute picture. I'm looking at a cute picture of Brady with his family after they won the Super Bowl last year. Got Brady in the middle, his his two sons, his daughter, and he got Giselle with her arms wrapped around uh, wrapped around uh, Brady's Brady's um. Two children. That's a cute family picture right there. I just think, two short years ago, I couldn't stand Brady as far as I can throw him, and now I've warmed up to him. Uh, I've I've always warmed up to G- to Giselle. I mean, how how could you not? Uh, you know, love yourself some Giselle Bundchen. But uh, but it's funny how you know a difference a short two years makes. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'm a uh, Mr. Tom Brady. It's because it's the title, the caption of it is Brady emphasizes the importance of his family in deciding what's next. And then, as the um, what do they call it? The uh, the thumbnail of the video is that picture of Brady and his family after the Super Bowl. It's a very, very, very cute. For best, the best thing Tom Brady ever did was was become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And I'll die on that hill, because uh, boy, did it like shape his image and really like make him likable and lovable to a lot of his, uh, you know, to a lot of the people that couldn't stand him. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Speaking of Tom Brady, you know, he, for the first, for the second time in two seasons, uh, first time since 2019, first, uh, first time as Tammy Buccaneer will go home uh, without making it to the Super Bowl, losing to the Rams 30-27, to and an absolutely, in a game that, that, you probably would would give a letter grade would probably uh grade it the lowest out of all four of the games this weekend you'd probably give it like a b plus between Tampa and los angeles again twenty seven to three deficit, and the buccaneers go out there and outscore the rams twenty twenty four to ten in the second in the second half absolutely remarkable ironically enough outscoring them and the in the third and fourth quarters in the game. Brady again I said it with the Rodgers piece said it again tremendous grit tremendous toughness doesn't throw in the towel doesn't give up th- 30 of 54 th- 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 somehow through for two- 329 pass yards when the Ram defensive uh, pass rush had him on his ass every time every time you uh, turned around and got sacked 3 times god knows how many times he was pressured and hurried by uh, Aaron Donald who finally imposes well and did a little something in these playoff games and Von Miller, former Super Bowl Bowl MVP, went out there and proved why the Rams traded for him in the middle of the season who was absolutely sensational as well. Brady Brady threw that touchdown pass to Mike Evans who absolutely smoked Jalen Ramsey in the game. Uh had not it been for Brady's uh, interception, the Bucks fight would have won that game, cost them a possession. Uh I believe it was I believe that was early in the second half. Uh and then I, you know, it just it showed toughness, you know, and the defense did a hell of a job. You know now why Todd Bowles decided to call an all-out blitz, leaving nobody over the top for Cooper Cup, who's having an absolutely sensational, stupendous. Record-breaking season, the you know the NFL's triple triple crown winner for receiving, who's who's going to win offensive player of the year you know by a landslide, and and who quite honestly should finish you know top three in MVP voting this year. Why in the world you left no help over the top? I, they say miscommunication, whatever the case might be. The fact that an all-out blitz was even thought of in that situation is is just damning and stupid. Uh, in and of itself, but give Cooper Cup tremendous credit. He was absolutely sensational. Nine receptions, 183 yards. Caught the re- caught the reception that put the Rams into Matt Gay field goal range. It was very spotty in the game, by the way. How in the world do you mi- how do you miss a 47-yard field goal short? I mean, can somebody explain that to me, please? And Cooper Cup, of course, caught a touchdown pass. Odell Beckham Jr., again, no gaudy numbers, but you see just how vital and how important he is to the Ram offense with a six-reception, 69-yard receiving day. Can't say a word, I can't scream a yell, kick and screaming about Odell Beckham Jr. He's been sensational uh, as, a Ram, as a Ram thus far to this point, and I can't kick and scream about Matthew Stafford as well i mean i i i i with i can't do the stab Padford. i can't with the overrated i can, i i can't do anything i can't kill him or oh, he, oh, he didn't he didn't show up when it mattered most he folded he you know he he collapsed i, I, I can't do any of that i i i'd like i'd like to but i can't i i i i i can't do it i can't do it 28-38, three hundred sixty six passing yards two touchdown catches can't can, i can't i cannot do it he played his best game of his NFL career. The most clutch game of his NFL career. And he and he beat the GOAT and the defending champs on the road. I mean, to go to the NFC championship game. I mean, he he I I tweeted out. He shut me up. I can't scream and yell. I can't complain. I can't do anything. It was it was it was it was it was, it was a tough ask, a tall task. He rose to the challenge, like a champ, like a pro. My hat's off to Matthew Stafford. (claps) About damn time. Congratulations. I mean, I, I got nothing else to say. 28, 38, 366, two touchdown passes. If the Rams would have somehow, well not somehow because they almost did. If the Rams would have lost that game, it wouldn't have been Matthew Stafford's fault. It would have been on Sean McVay's fault for getting very conservative in the second half. And for whatever the reason, being hell-bent on having Cam Akers run the football. I understand he's all giddy and excited because he got off of IR with the torn Achilles injury. But gee whiz, Sony Michel gets one carry for four yards and that's the end of it? I mean, really, Sean? Cam Akers fumbling twice? fumbling at the goal line to close out the first half where if he hadn't fumbled if he would have went into the end zone and scored a touchdown the game would have been over at halftime it would have changed the complex the complexity of the game and then fumbles again on a on on, on, a, on a second and seven run runs for about five yards and fumbles the football where if he holds on to it gets the first down the game's over I mean seriously Jalen Ramsey I got to be honest a little overrated Getting burned by Mike by Mike Evans down down the right sideline, S- single coverage. To 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 pull the Bucks to within a score. And Reader, the linebacker, whiffing on Leonard Fournette on the on the uh, on the on the game tying touchdown run. All of them, even Matt, even Gay. Missing a 47-yard field goal that would have made it, I believe, a three-possession game at that point or thereabouts. I mean, seriously? It's funny. And I'm saying to myself, as this game's going on, I'm like, if the Rams, if he missed that field goal, it was 27-13. He makes that field goal. It's 30-13, It's thirty to 13, and they're up what? They're up 17 points. If Gay Game makes that field goal. How how the hell you miss a, a forty seven yard field goal short? You're in the NFL. I understand that historically yeah, he was he was you know he wasn't the greatest at kicking in Raymond James, but still that's inexcusable. And again, it's funny. If the Rams would have lost that game, A it would have been a historic a historic gargantuan traumatic playoff collapse. You know, and the only thing you could say that it wouldn't take uh, precedent over the, the biggest and greatest playoff choke job of all time is only because the Falcon 28-3 choke job took place in the Super Bowl with higher stakes. But still, if the Rams would have collapsed and lost that game unless Matthew Stafford made a, fumbled the football through an interception along the way, that loss wasn't wasn't going to be on him. It was going to be on his head coach. It was going to be on Akers for fumbling twice. It was going to be on Jalen Ramsey for getting left in the dust by Mike Evans. It was going to be on Reeder for missing a tackle. It was going to be on the center for snapping a ball over Matthew Stafford's freaking head. But I don't see how, even if the Rams would have lost that game, how he could have... Blame it on Stafford. If anything, it was everybody else's fault but Matthew Stafford. McVay's incompetence, Acres fumbling all over the place, Ramsey and Reader garbage defensive play on the other side of the ball, and Matt Gay missing a forty-seven-yard field goal short. Seriously. Rams are the only team in the history of the National Football League to lose four fumbles in a game and also lose a 20-point lead and yet still manage to win a football game, regular season and playoffs. And it's the first time since 2009 that, the, that Brady nor Rodgers will be in the conference championship games. 2009, the 2009, AFC championship games was between, the, uh, was between the Jets and the Colts in the 2009 NFC championship game was between the Vikings and the Saints if you remember that correctly. But I, I, I can't say anything about Matthew Stafford. I can't. If anything, he, he, he saved McVeigh's, Gay's, Ramsey's and Raider's hide with that pass to Cooper Cup, was absolutely sensational. Now, I'd like for Matthew Stafford to, at minimum, win win two Super Bowls before every, you know, Matthew Stafford fan waving the pom poms back in Detroit, uh, you know, wants to put him in a Hall of Fame first ballot. You know, can he win a couple of Super Bowls first before we put him in a Hall of Fame, please? I mean, gee whiz. Still, having said all of that, he had a phenomenal night, or not a phenomenal night, but a phenomenal afternoon. And Brady. Tremendous grit. Albeit the, the the Rams did everything in their power to literally give that game to the Bucs. And it almost ended up costing them their season. Which had they had lost that game, we'd still be screaming and yell about Sean McVay. They they they'd never, ever hear the end of it. And again, the only thing that would take that would that wouldn't have them as the uh as the poster boy for the for the for the latest and most tragic playoff collapse in the NFL is the fact that the Falcon twenty eight to three collapse took place in the Super Bowl. But that's neither here nor there. Rams got it done. They advanced to the NFC championship game. Last but certainly not least by Cincinnati Bengals to close out the show the Amatella Cotillia's podcast welcome back to the Amatella Katiai's podcast. You guys didn't think I forgot about this one, did you? Because my Cincinnati Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. Think about that for a minute. My Cincinnati Bengals are in the AFC Championship game. Before I get to the game, look, those of you all who've known me for a long time and have been listening to this show for a long time know that my Cincinnati Bengals have given me plenty to complain about, plenty complain, to scream about, complain, uh, plenty to complain about, be angry about you know the playoff collapses and, and just and the bad seasons the mediocre seasons the second half season collapses it's just and then of course within the last couple of seasons you know you don't make the playoffs from 2016 to 2020 you finally make it in 2021 and then you have in 2000 and 19, just 19 alone. And I won't pay too much attention to 6 to 20 because we weren't going to be a very good team anyway. I expected, you know, 6 and 10, 7 and 9 at best with Burrow there. And I do, in all objectivity, think that we should have been there had we had an offensive line and not the equivalent of a bunch of turnstiles, you know, quote unquote blocking for Burrow. But it's just. And if Burrow hadn't gotten injured torn Twenties ACL against Washington last November. But it is just amazing. You've been a fan of this team as long as I have. That, that, that they are one win away. One win away from going to the Super Bowl. And two wins away from being the NFL champions of the 2021 season, like that blows my freaking... I st- it's it's they this it's been two three days I still can't wrap my head around that. That's so, that's so remarkable. I mean, this team hasn't been a Super Bowl since since the '88 season. Okay, my my father was ten years old. He was ten. Last time the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, he was ten. My, if they're fortunate to make it to the Super Bowl, my father will had just had his forty fourth birthday. I mean, think about that for a minute. It'd be the first time seeing. My Bengals, who for the longest time can never get out of their own way to to win a playoff game, would be a part of what would be one of the two top teams still standing to win the NFL championship. They're, excuse me, they are a part of the NFL's Final Four. Final Four best teams. 2021 season. It's not the Bucks. it's not the Packers in the NFC, it's not the Titans, or the Ravens, or the Bills in the AFC, it's the Cincinnati Bengals, who I picked to win seven games this year, who I had no chance to you if you would have asked me back in August, what chance do the Bengals have of going to the AFC Championship game, let alone at the possibility of going to Super Bowl, I would have told you with a straight face, not a chance in hell this team makes the playoffs, let alone goes to the AFC championship game. And yet here they are, one one away from doing the unthinkable and pulling off the impossible. I mean, holy crap. I mean, when when, when you stop, look, smaller roses, and think about it, it truly is remarkable. I'm sorry. They say act like you've been there before. As a fan, I can't. Wasn't around for 88. Definitely way too young. 40 years past for the 81 season. And and it's not that this team, you know, they were good. Make the playoffs, win a playoff game, lose in the second round. The year after, you know, they 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 win two playoff games, lose the AFC Championship, they lose, you know, they lose first. It's not like that you know they that they've been at it for a while as far as as far as competing to get the foot in the to get their foot in the door for the playoffs, and then you know they get unlucky or the, or the self inflicted mistakes in the play. Is this the I could see. I could see, it would be like, oh, finally, thank God. If it was the 2013, 14, 15 Bengals that were in this position. You know, those Bengal teams that went on consistent stretches of winning nine plus games a season, winning divisions, getting wild card spots, playing in playoff games, hosting playoff games. This team last year won, what? Four games, and the year before that, had the worst record in the National Football League. Think about that for a minute. The worst record in the National Football League. Nobody else. Not the Jets, not the Lions, not the Dolphins. It was us. Not Washington. It was us. Worst record in the sport, 2019. Had the number one pick in the 2020 draft. And then here comes Joe Burrow. And Jamar Chase after that. Free agency signings in. and, and, And now look at him. It just goes to show you what a difference two years makes. Meanwhile, two years ago, had the Texans held on to their lead against Kansas City, they would have been in the AFC Championship game. And look what the Titans are two short years later. It is crazy. How in, I won't say in sports because I go in every sport. In baseball, you know, it's it's long, tedious years. But in football, it's ridiculous how much things can change within two years' time. It is absolutely amazing how quickly things change. Two years ago, they were the worst team in the sport. Two years later, their one went away from going to the Super Bowl and winning the AFC Championship game. And the thing that trips me out even more is that two years ago, the same season, the Bengals had the worst record in the sport, number one picket for the 2020 draft, they were that bad. The same season, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And two years later, they're playing the back-to-back AFC champions to go two the Super Bowl, and knock them off their AFC championship crown. I mean, that is some wild, wild crap when you think about it. Two years. Ridiculous. And I got plenty of time to harp on it on Friday's show, but... I'm sorry. I, I had to spend a, the first nine or so minutes of this segment saying because because that is when you really sit down and think about it. That is freaking remarkable. Knowing that my team is one of the two best teams left standing in the AFC and one of the four best teams left standing in all of the National Football League. When I didn't even think we were going to make the playoffs, win the division, win double-digit games, win a playoff game, and then make it this far where we're playing the back-to-back AFC champions to, to, take, to, to dethrone them, take their crown, and in turn go to the Super Bowl. When two years ago we were the worst team in the sport. I got to be fair. I got to be honest. Thank God the Bengals didn't listen to me. When I screamed and yelled from the rooftops. From 8th in the 2018 season. Definitely the 19th season. Definitely the 2020 season. And as recently as after the 49er game. Calling for Zach Taylor's job. Thank God they didn't listen to me. Because regardless what happens at arrowhead on sunday this season is a tremendous tremendous success the only caveat is is that if you lose god forbid on sunday knock on wood or lose in the super bowl a few weeks from from now god forbid knock on wood is that the pressure on, is on it on you to not only get back but be better which means get borrowing off which means building up that offensive line and uh, and a little and a, uh, a little fine tune tuning up for the defense, but it could be one of those situations where the Bengals are are a team of dynasty, or excuse me, a team of destiny, rather than a team of domination. Hopefully, they're a team of dynasty, of uh, destiny, because I would absolutely love to see this team go out there and win a Super Bowl. Even if they even if they win the AFC Championship, I'll be satisfied. If they go out there and beat Kansas City on Sunday, win the AFC Championship, that will be the equivalent of winning the Super Bowl for me. And if they go out there and they beat the Rams or beat San Francisco, all all I would need is 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 a, is a, is a, is a night with Joy Taylor or Liv Cowherd, and I could die a happy man. I'm telling you. Anyway, let me get to the game. How about Joe Burrow? You know the, the the guts, the toughness. He has it. I mean, holy crap! I mean, I mean, he got the offensive line was was absolutely pathetic. It was they, they were they were putrid and and just garbage and a waste of time all night long. And that, that, that goes without saying, but give it to Joe Burrow who had the, who showed the, the the moral fiber, the toughness mentally and physical to get put on, to get put on his backside nine times, to- like that scene from Ferris Bueller, nine times in a game and for him to still stand in there, take those hits like a champion and still battle back and fight back and throw for somehow straight so throw for 348 passing yards and get the Bengals to win that to to win that game and find Jamar Chase wide open near the Titan sideline or near the Bengals sideline to put Mevin McPherson within field goal range who is just absolutely sensational absolutely sensational four for four 54-yard field goal to win it Ice in his veins, the young rook, Evan McPherson. I mean, what a, a, what a draft pick by Duke Tobin and company, getting him out of the University of Florida. And, and B, what a gem, what a kicker he is. And then just having the cojones and just the, the, just the stone-cold confidence to say, yep, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game, boys. He said that as a rookie. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Joe Mixon, again, Not gaudy numbers, but did what he had to do. Ran for the Bengals and scored the Bengals' only touchdown in the game. Um, It concerns you from a Cincinnati side of things. And Jamar Chase, again, as a rookie, he also has been sensational. Two games, first two two playoff games as a rookie. Back-to-back games with over 100 receiving yards. Five receptions, 109 yards receiving. T Higgins, not bad. Seven receptions, 96 yards receiving as well. I mean, just a sensational job by him, and the Bengals playing in their offense, playing a timely football, uh, as they have been the last couple of weeks. You know, on one hand, it would concern you that you haven't that that the Bengals' offense, you know, has left a lot of points on the table, and has and and for all intents and purposes, you can make the argument, especially how they played the back end of the season, re- really have have been underperforming. The last two weeks against the Raiders wildcard weekend and then against the Titans on Saturday. You can make the argument that it's very concerning. I just say, well, you know, you ain't going to be able to get away scoring 26 or 19 points against Kansas City next week. Which is a fact and that's for sure. But the one, but the, but the backside of the coin to that is, is that maybe, just maybe the Bengals saved their best offensive performance for the rematch against Kansas City one can only hope and that's your best that's that's the optimistic way to look at it they save their best offense performance realistically since that chief game in week 17 for this upcoming championship sunday but they have not looked absolutely burrow has shown signs of excellent promise of course and has shown you that he is that dude without having to put up the uh the numbers that he did against the Ravens and the Chiefs in those back-to-back weeks in Week 16 and 17, he's a gem. He's a stud. He's a baller, and and and, and has and does what it takes to get the job done. Timely uh, running by Joe Mixon, although he you know he isn't going to blow the stat sheet up, uh, you know, blow the stat sheet up like crazy. And then, of course, Jamar Chase just doing unbelievable things as a rookie in his first two playoff games in the National Football League. And then how about the defense? They held the Raiders to 19 points uh, in wildcard weekend, and they go ahead and they hold the Titans to 16 points. I mean, that an absolutely remarkable, remarkable, remarkable job by the defense. First play from scrimmage, Jesse Bates gets the interception. Mike Hilton read that, read that screen pattern perfectly, intercepting Tannehill inside the red zone. Uh, for Tennessee in the sequence of that game. And then, of course, how about Logan Wilson? You know, coming back off the off the injured list, uh, what a draft pick he was, He who also gets lost in the shuffle with the Chase pick. This Pat, who gets lost in the shuffle with the Chase, and the Evan McPherson pick of this year's draft, gets lost in the shuffle of Burrow, of course, getting picked first overall back in the 2020 draft. How about Logan Wilson drafting him in the later rounds of the 2020 draft out of Wyoming. What an absolute stud at linebacker he is. Led the uh leads the team in interceptions and goes out there like uh like um uh um what's the, I should know his name. He's, you know, he gave me my first uh playoff win of my lifetime. Uh, god, that's a terrible job on my part and having a brain fart. Uh, what is his name? What is his name? What is his name? Um, the linebacker, uh, God, Jermaine Pratt. Thank you. Jermaine Pratt. He was, he was able to make the play to put the game on ice in the Raider game and then and then uh um Logan Wilson goes out there you know off the deflection catches the uh the interception to give the Bengals a short field to put Bro and the boys in a position to march down the field cross tides midfield uh, ironically enough the, the 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 best blocking job the Bengals offensive line had all night had all game long they couldn't have saved that for a better, more opportune time. Gave Bro a clean pocket, and somehow, some way, Jamar Chase gets open down the sideline to set up Evan McPherson kick the game-winning field goal, who never misses. And then, on, and then on Tennessee Titans' side, you know, you, you can't win with Ryan Tannehill. You know, he, he he he's average. He's good at best, not good enough. The things that have killed the Titans all season long is turnover the football. When you lose the turnover bat, when you lose the turnover battle, you end up losing the football game. Uh, why, you know, they the Foreman should have gotten way more carries than he did. The forty-five yard run was a was a momentum shifter for Tennessee. You thought, oh, here we go, Tennessee ain't gonna go down without a fight. Tennessee is gonna claw back and possibly try to take this game from Cincinnati and then about a play or so later Tannehill throws the asinine interception to Mike Hilton a tremendous poor read by Tannehill tremendous defensive uh, uh, play by Hilton three interceptions in the game 15 or 24 was pathetic Uh, why Foreman didn't get as many carries as he did I have no idea I underst same thing with McVeigh with Akers. I understand that, you know, they were that McVeigh and in turn uh Vrabel were trigger happy we were all giddy to get their star running backs back. But how about uh rolling with the guy that got you to this point that that you brought with, with to the dance? Foreman with Tennessee and uh Sony Michelle with uh, with the Rams. You know, the Rams got away with it. The Titans did not. It ended up costing the Titans this season. Derrick Henry was effective, won all the way. Was effective in the game, won all the way back. And I guarantee, if he were to give you an honest answer, he wasn't essentially playing at a hundred and ten percent strength like we saw him the first two months of the season in September. And in the month of October and, uh, you know, you can't win with Tannehill, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and I had a feeling uh, and I said, told you guys last week, if the game came down to what quarterback was going to make a play and uh, and what and, you know, it came down to, you know, what quarterback was going to make the mistake. I told you all my money is going to be on Burrow. Because albeit the Titans had the week off, they had number one seed, they had Derrick Henry coming back, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones on no scrubs. And the Titans' defense is absolutely f- sensational. And I read you the stat lines of their phenomenal, ferocious defensive front. They had a field day all afternoon on Saturday. But the one outlier is that the Bengals have Joe Burrow and the Tennessee Titans have Ryan Tannehill. And that, and that was a difference maker in the game straight up. And how Ryan Tannehill misses his wide open receiver running across the forty yard line on that third and five with twenty six seconds left with the game tied. I have absolutely no idea where he just catches the ball. He you know, he gets a he gets the first down, keeps the chains moving. Titans call a timeout with about twenty three ish seconds left, and they're about a few they're about ten plus yards closer to getting Randy Bullock in the field goal range, and Ryan Tannehill, you know, Misses a wide open wide wide receiver. Don't throw him the football for whatever the reason. But you can't you can't win with them. You just can't. I had a I had a odd weird feeling for whatever the reason early in the first half or in the first half when Derrick Henry scored a touchdown. When Vrabel decided to go for two, they send they send Henry up the middle. He gets stopped. Clutch play by the Bengals defensive front. There run defense has been one of their uh, uh, better. Uh, components of their defense all season long i had a feeling that 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 was going to come back to bite the titans in the ass turns out it ended up being lo and behold it did first postseason round of nfl history where four games featured a game-winning score on the final play of the game Uh, and that just ties the ball on just a phenomenal weekend it was in the nfl and then of course what in the world on third and one is vrabel and the titans doing calling a read option there With, uh, you know, give the ball off to Derrick Henry. Will you play? I mean, again, not complaining. I'm looking at it from an objective point of view. If I was a Titans fan, don't overthink it. Give Derrick Henry the damn football. What the hell are you doing keeping the ball in Ryan Tannehill's arms? I mean, seriously. Don't overthink it. Okay? Don't overthink it. I mean, fool. fool, That play fooled Nobody absolutely nobody. Gonna call gonna call a read option third one. I mean, come on, guys. Disappointing season for Tennessee, all things being equal. I understand, you know, they set a record most players use on a roster in NFL history, this nanny. Uh, I mean that 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 you, you 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 cannot have that under any circumstances. You can't calls a read option on a third and one instead of giving the ball to Henry on that third and one play, decides to keep it with 10-0, he doesn't get it. And then when everybody in the whole stadium and watching across America knows Henry's going to get the ball, predictable as all hell, they give the ball up to Henry on fourth and one when they have no other choice and it gets stopped. Logan, Wilson, Bailey making the tackle. Sensational job. I mean, just bad loss by Tennessee, gritty, gutty, sensational victory by Cincinnati. And if you're a Bengal fan like me, you only hope that they save their best offensive performance for the last get for not the last game of the season, but for this Sunday against Kansas City. Cuz it won't cuz settling for field goals and having drives stall out ain't going to be good enough against the Chiefs. It just is not And another thing, weird thing I learned, and I said this on Twitter Saturday night, that was also weird. You know, it's better off as, as long as your quarterback doesn't fumble the football when he gets sacked, and doesn't throw interceptions. On top of him getting, on top of the fact that him getting of your of uh, of the quarterback in this case being Burrow getting sacked nine times, if you if you don't turn over the football, it's just sacks. You're better off getting sacked nine times than you are throwing three interceptions and only getting sacked one time. Craziest thing. The Bengals were better off letting Bro not turn over not uh, uh, and when the one turnover that Bro had wasn't even his fault. So Piron should learn how to catch the damn ball. Uh, you know, which I don't even put that on Bro. Piron should have caught the ball and and I can't scream y'all at the replay officials because it was. If you would have called it an incomplete pass, I could see why. If you called it a catch, I could see why. So I really didn't have a huge issue with the ruling on that uh, interception that completely changed the momentum of the game, in which I thought it's like, oh, holy crap, Bengals going to blow this. Their magical season is going to come down to an end right here. Because I thought after Mike Hilton interception, it was all systems go for Cincinnati to slowly uh pull a pull away and pull ahead in that game and and thanks to Smashy Piron ended up being more uh tightly contested than it should have been, but you can't cry over spilled milk. But you learn that, you know, nine sacks and one interception is better than or excuse me, is is a better option than three interceptions, especially if all of them are are uh you know if 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 two of them if 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 two of them, or excuse me, if all three of them are in your if, check, if two out of three of them are in your own territory, and one of them is inside your opponent's red zone, you're better off getting sacked nine times, no fumbles, one gimmicky, fluky interception, It wasn't even your fault. You're better off having that than throwing three interceptions, only getting sacked once. Which which is which is one of the one of the one of the many crazy things this weekend that had my jaw. On the floor, absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous. What a way to recap that ridiculous divisional wild card weekend in the National Football League. If you're new to the i am going podcast, and you like what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. Follow your boy on Twitter at J Shield. The show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. Show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it. Tell it is your boy Jai Shields. I will talk to you on Friday, the preview conference championship Sunday. Y'all stay safe. See ya.